Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Pod. This is the podcast for the Sports and Entertainment Risk Management Alliance. I am the host of the Pod, also the founder and CEO of Surma Richlankov. We are very happy to have our latest guest, David Cummings. David is a new member of Surma. He is a partner at Reed Smith LLP here in Chicago. It's a nationwide firm, but he happens to be here in the same city as I am and specializes in insurance recovery and policyholder advocacy. David, welcome to the Sermapod. Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. And we're talking today about some unique types of insurance products. Uh, we, we like to cover unusual things on this show. And, and I'll tell you, I, I've heard of uh, Mariah Carey insuring her legs, uh, David Beckham uh, insuring his legs. I know that uh, Julia Roberts famously she uh, insured her smile, and maybe the most famous is J-Lo insuring her, her butt, right? One of the most famous butts on the planet. So to start off, why don't you talk to us about that unique product being uh, body part and characteristics insurance, how that works, who gets it, uh, how much it costs, et cetera. Sure. Um, well, you are right. It is, it's a very unique form of insurance, uh, one that um, – is is very common in the, the celebrity, the athlete space, but also in highly skilled professionals and in other industries too. Like your your, your surgeon, right, will often insure their hands. Um, so essentially, at a high level, celebrity body part and physical characteristic insurance provides coverage for a person or an entity <clears throat> who has some insurable interest in a unique physical attribute or body part. They they acknowledge or um, they regard that as an asset in some way, shape, or form. Uh, as you said, celebrities, athletes, musicians, highly skilled professionals in other industries, uh, but also third parties such as, you know, a company who's engaging someone as a spokesperson and for, say, a campaign where a unique physical attribute might be very important. Uh, and then and, and as a result, there's a financial interest tied up in that. So think like best example I can come up with is like a De Beers or Blue Nile campaign where the left ring finger might be. Uh, uh, crucial to a campaign, especially with a with a um, a very prestigious spoke person. So there might very well be a desire by both the company and the individual to ensure that hand or ensure that finger um, to make sure that if something were to happen, um, there, there's some financial recoupment there. So for death and dismemberment uh, coverage to kick in, typically a body part must be lost, right? I mean, how does that how does that coverage work exactly? So for for celebrity body, so death and death and uh, disgrace is is kind of a separate category. But the celebrity body part and physical characteristic uh, insurance, it, it can kind of it, it can happen a number of ways. So I'll I will say that this policy and kind of all the ones we're talking about today are very bespoke. Um, they're not like your general liability where they're very form and, and a lot are very standardized. These are pretty case by case basis. The underwriter is very involved in the drafting. We'll borrow from some other policies too. So, but um, that's my long way of saying that that definition can vary quite a bit, depending on the nature of the body part, the the um, the individual or the company involved, and how broad or narrow coverage is desired or is affordable. Um, kind of the, the big distinction here is some will will ensure either a total or or partial loss of the policyholder's body part or attribute. Whereas others will go a little broader and say a total or partial loss of use of the policyholder's body part. Loss of um, can be construed a fair amount more literally, right? Like we literally need an amputation or something where the body part is, is gone. 
uh, loss of use is a little broader. And that comes, that's very important for like a surgeon, right? Where an injury or a loss of mobility may not be a total quote unquote loss, but um, certainly will have some detrimental financial impact by the inability to use uh, to pre-injury levels. And typically what, uh, what are the coverages involved? I mean, I guess it depends on, as you mentioned, it was, it's bespoke insurance. It depends on, you know, the body part and the celebrity, but in your typical scenario, what kind of policy limits are we, are we talking about? Well, so coverage type, these, these are pretty, these policies from at least the ones that I have seen are almost always, um, for, we'll put it this way, for a, for a for a company, we'll say, who's taking out a policy on an individual or on a spokesperson, it's usually tied pretty neatly to the contract involved, right? The value of the contract, it can cover some incidental losses like replacements, um, media costs that are for uh, media space that is no longer uh, usable um, to, to pay out the contract, of course. Um, it becomes a little more um, amorphous and difficult when an individual takes out a policy themselves. Uh, it's still a first party policy, but that insurable interest is 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 no longer just in that contract or or in a contract, but is is tethered to that person's career. So um, that again, really, really depends on one the appetite for the individual and the the amount of the premium that they're willing to to pay. Uh, but also ultimately that in the latter scenario where an individual is making a claim for their own body part or, or characteristic, that ultimately is going to be um, a bigger battle of the accountants as well. And what the trajectory looks like for that person's career and, and, and how that really impacts it. As, you know, was, was it important for one movie? You mentioned Julia Roberts earlier. Uh, I had read an article that uh, she had also, um, in connection with a project, insured her legs. Um, but for that individual product pro project, um, perhaps that body part was, uh, was particularly important. That doesn't necessarily mean that the same importance is carried throughout her career. Um, or it, it, and it becomes far less tangible. What kind of an impact that will have the further out we get. Well, let's turn to something else you mentioned earlier, disgrace insurance. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you need look no further than no one really reads papers these days. But right, I mean, look at your phone, and every day you'll have a uh, uh, a feed showing some other celebrity doing something dumb and being disgraced somehow. That you know, people look at that and may consume it, but not everyone thinks how those actions might affect productions, film productions, theater productions. Um, so what is disgrace insurance and what kind of losses do they cover? Sure. So, um, again, a pretty bespoke coverage, but this one is, is, as I think, become a little more um, form as, as time has gone on. At least the versions that I've seen are fairly consistent. Uh, so you can purchase standalone disgrace insurance. We often see them packaged as both death and disgrace insurance. Essentially, the, the combined product protects against the risk that a celebrity or, or some, some talent um, will, will either die or suffer some sort of reputational disgrace that requires the removal from a campaign, from an engagement, from some sort of endorsement deal um, during the pendency of that engagement. Um, so 
you know, I, historically, the type of coverage we've seen here was um, for pretty much uh, direct costs was, was at least how this all, this all started, right? Specifically, it would cover costs associated with, you know, similar to the, the body parts types of coverage, reproducing existing ad materials with a replacement spokesperson, payment of that spokesperson, media space already purchased, no longer viable. Th those are the kind of the big three that, that um, particularly in the advertising space comes, comes to mind. The appetite has grown over the past years to um, extend coverage to business losses. So kind of similar to your business interruption, time element portions of a first party property, property policy, right? Um, there's an appetite um, for both uh, companies and insurance companies to insure and recognize that a company's brand recognition and overall reputation and ultimately profits might take a hit um, because of the loss of a spokesperson either by, by death or, or through some form of public disgrace. So we see a little bit of both. Again, it depends on the appetite for the premium and the appetite for the insurer with the, un, with, uh, with the underwriting process too, but that can be added on too. It seems the devil in this kind of coverage would be in the definition of, of disgrace, right? I mean, like you have to have, I mean, one element, of course, as you mentioned, would be advertisers jump ship, right? Let's say, you know, take... Let's just take the rust shooting as an example, high high profile example. Lately, we've covered that extensively on on this podcast. You know, that's the shooting on the set of the film Rust involving Alec Baldwin. Uh, you know, young lady died, cinematographer died, and that obviously shut down production for a while. It's only now recently resumed. Um, but in that scenario, what would how would you define? disgrace and that you know that seems to be a fairly easy one but there are some situations where one's definition of disgrace or whatever the trigger triggering of it may be may not be shared by someone else and that's where i'm sure a lot of the friction arises i think you're 100 percent right I, the you know the the bundled death and disgrace policies death is by its very nature pretty black and white that is not that that's not the portion that's disputed as much but the definition of disgrace uh, really is. So in the, in, the, in the example that you just gave, uh, if the insurance policy is tethered to uh, Alec Baldwin, right, um, there can be a number of ways to, to determine whether or not that amounts to disgrace. You know, by all accounts, at least by some accounts that are, are, are public, it was a very tragic and accidental event. So does, does there need to be some level of intent does there need to be some uh, some level of malice involved in the action for it to be qualified disgrace? In a lot of policies, yes. But that's you know again, it's like I've been said said a few times already today. These are very bespoke coverages that might not be the language, and it, it ultimately depends on um, the kind of uh, waiting in the gray area there of what that definition is. I've I've got one one um, fairly common one pulled up a definition of disgrace. And it's, it's certainly not a model of clarity. So this issue does come up quite a bit. It, it reads any criminal act or any offense. So that's a little more straightforward, right? Or any situation or occurrence which degrades or brings that person into disrepute or provokes insult or shock to the community. That almost sounds like a narrative paragraph. There's not a whole lot of detail there to say what that means. That could apply to as few or as many as, as any you know, circumstances that you can come up with. 
Um, so it's that that's the tricky piece. Um, I find an interesting intersection um, being the interplay of morals clauses and in, in endorsement contracts and other talent agreements. Uh, certainly during the underwriting process, you know, say if, if a policy like this is tied to a celebrity endorsement, certainly in the underwriting, they're going to get the contract with the morals clause. The question is, can the, the insured leverage that clause in a way to add some clarity here? Like if, if, if we've defined certain events as immoral to um, justify termination of the contract, those might be per se examples that we can then list in the policy to, for some clarity, or they can be instructive during the claims process. But there is a, a real need for clarity in these, and there's not a whole lot of case law out there on these policies to provide much guidance. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost seems also the flip side to that is some, you know, one person's disgrace would be another person's positive publicity, right? I mean, the old saying is there's no such thing as bad publicity. And you could almost argue, like I'm thinking of Britney Spears, right? Britney Spears was in the news the last week or so because, you know, there's this allegation that she was walking into catch in Vegas and she got slapped. Later turns out that the video doesn't support that allegation. Also, by the way, it just so happens, she just announced this week the title of her upcoming biography, autobiography. You know, uh, some would speculate that this alleged slap, which results in her, you know, being being hit to the ground and her glasses flying off by Wembenyama's security guard, would just be a publicity stunt to sell more books, right? I mean, the timing is pretty interesting. So I guess there's two sides to that disgrace that sometimes you get canceled, sometimes it actually helps your career. That, that's true. And that's what makes it so tricky. And you you raised this out the gate, Rich. The, the social media in the past 10 years has only made the question more difficult, right? I mean, arguably, the um, what constitutes an actionable disgrace that requires a company to terminate an engagement uh, is kind of directly related to the media outrage as a result mm -hmm. of that. You know, if, if before... Before Twitter, before Facebook, before before the internet, if we're going back a little further, a, if a celebrity or athlete did something that you know by some would be deemed immoral or uh, something of dis, disrepute, um, if the media didn't pick it up and it didn't become widely known, no harm, no foul. Um, but here, if there if it, it can, something can be move, can move so quickly. And so many things are being filmed that um, it can be a lot easier to force a company's hand um, with uh, with things like with, with events like this, such that you know these policies become a lot more sensitive and become look might become a lot more important even even as we uh, as as we move move further along and in, in this social media world in which we live. We sure do, um, David. Speaking of. Uh athletes um and Wembenyama as an example right there's also a a athlete disability coverage the news out of the nba in the last week or so is that after two summer league games victor Wembanyama, who by now everyone probably knows was the spurs number one draft pick overall draft pick uh seven four center the next phenom can't miss superstar about to make you know millions of dollars uh, it was his security guard that allegedly struck Brittany in Vegas. 
But you know, he played one game and then he played he played a second summer league game that was way more impressive. And then they the Spurs shut him down. You know, some speculate that there was some injury involved, um, but undoubtedly, you know, the NBA was planning on selling a lot of tickets, albeit in the summer league, which isn't the most lucrative situation. But you know, they had a packed house that second game uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center. Every seat was sold. Lots of concessions. Lots of jerseys. Presumably, shutting down Wembenyama for the rest of the preseason is going to result in a significant loss of income for the arena, for the team, for the NBA. So what kind of insurance is available for those kind of situations? Again, understanding that in this case, it might not be an injury at all. It might be an effort to prevent an injury. But let's assume for the sake of this discussion that Wembenyama was injured in game two, couldn't play the rest. That's a significant amount of money that many people are are out. Yeah, that, so that's – that's a uh, that's a good point. I mean, their their athlete disability disability insurance is pretty pervasive. Um, so there's uh, it, you know it, it, at a high level, it's designed to provide coverage if an athlete cannot compete in his or her sport. You know, and there's there are policies that that cover it even if it's on a temporary basis. There are other types of policies that are you know for career ending injury as well. Um, the you know a temp a temporary total disability, which is one that pays benefits uh, if if a, an athlete is injured in such a way that he or she cannot compete in the sport for a period of time. Those are the type of policies that the NBA um, individual teams, the NBA as a whole, you know, it, or any other league um, that has an insured interest in that player in the profits as a result of uh, his or her performance would purchase. Um, the the permanent total disability policies, those are um, generally reserved for the athletes themselves. The distinction really being that, um, you know, a, 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 a team really only has an insurable interest in the uh, length of the, the contract at hand, right? Uh, whereas a player, the player his or herself <clears throat> has an interest far beyond that for the, the duration of the career. So that's kind of the distinction there. Um, those are those types of policies. Both both types of policies are usually tethered to the value of the contract, or in the case of permanent total disability, the expected value of the career um, at the time of of of, un, of the underwriting and is reevaluated throughout the policy term. Um, but some of them do again bespoke policies will offer some form of uh, of lost profits protections for for the teams and for the league. Um, a good, you know, a, a pretty new and a pretty specific example of that is a type of policy called key man insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing more and more of that. The the underwriting on that and the and the value of that is is um, a complicated web of of actuaries <laughs> that figure out how that works exactly. But essentially, those provide benefits to usually in the context of a probable playoff team that do not make the playoffs as the result, or at least arguably as a result of the injury to a star player or, uh, or what they call a key man. Um, so that's a specific product specifically for, uh, you know, losses in sales and in, in losses in revenue that they would have gotten in a playoff game. But certainly um, athlete disability policies will, will can and, and often do contain a lost profits component as well. So let's look at another real world example, because, you know, the whole, interest or a lot of the interest in these subjects results from David, the fact that they're, it happened every day. Right. And that's kind of why we're around as Surma 
you needn't look no further than like today to see examples of all this. But I'm thinking of Pat Fitzgerald, the just fired coach at Northwestern, just a few miles north of where you and I are in Evanston, Illinois. You know, Pat Fitzgerald was fired. Uh, he's at the start of a long, lucrative contract by Northwestern. Uh, there was an announcement a couple of days ago in the wake of this termination that the teachers at Northwestern signed a petition trying to stop the renovation of Ryan Field, the football stadium that is undergoing or or about to begin undergoing a, what, 600 or so million dollar renovation. So I'm just thinking that, you know, would would key man insurance apply here? Would uh, loss of value insurance apply here? And to what extent? Certainly, you can look at Pat Fitzgerald being fired as a dom- the beginning of a domino effect, right? We already know that some Northwestern players decommitted, some high school players. Some players are going to enter the transfer portal. This is not just a college, you know, uh, a football team. This is a big business involving a lot of tentacles. You know, if this development doesn't proceed because of this termination, there's lots of people out a lot of money. So I just, I just you know, that's a good example of, how impactful something like that could be. And, and, and I'm wondering sort of what the insurance implications are of that. Yeah. So, you know, with, with, with uh, the Northwestern scenario and, and Pat Fitzgerald, um, the, it would be tricky to find an argument for disability or key man insurance to apply there. Right. Because that historically at least are tethered specifically to an injury of an athlete, uh, an athlete themselves. Um, there is potentially an argument for a form of disgrace insurance, though, for something like this. Like the, he, he was terminated, um, pretty. You know, there's there's a good argument that he was terminated because of something that uh, brought disrepute and insult or shock to the community. Borrowing the definition from the policy we talked about earlier, so that might be a place to look for that. Now, whether or not you know Northwestern carries that type of insurance, I'd like to think that they do. They're a sophisticated uh, athletic program. Um, but that's that's a pot- potential avenue there, and, and there is there are certainly death and disgrace uh, insurance policies that are written for um, not for for uh, actors or individuals other than athletes and, and celebrities, right? Many companies will purchase them for uh, C-suite members as well for for similar for similar reasons the the reputation that carries along with that position. So it's possible they have such insurance in place, and, and really and should look to it if. If, um, especially under the circumstances where there's a lot of a lot of losses potentially at stake as a result of the termination and and the terminations that seem to be coming. Yeah, I don't think we've heard the end of the uh, Northwestern story. I think it's only scratching the surface, so there's more to come on that. Uh, new Serva member David Cummings from Reed Smith. Thank you so much for educating us on this really interesting, unique part of the insurance world as it relates to sports and entertainment. Uh, please come back and give us some more content as we go forward. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Ideas, strategies, and opinions represented on this podcast are those of the speakers and do not represent the ideas, strategies, and opinions of their employers.